the thing that stood out to me the most that I think every human needs to remember and, and hold up is that she was talking about abuse and she said, my compassion was not complete because it didn't include me. My compassion was not complete because it didn't include me. Holy Wild Birth is a podcast embracing the reclamation of giving birth rooted in God's original design, undisturbed. Here, we share homebirth stories highlighting God's presence as the great midwife, as well as conversations about all aspects of a holistic, spirit-led childbearing year. From the perspectives of myself, traditional midwife Lauren Hall of Rooted in Eden Private Contract Association, and me, holistic doula and birth keeper Brooke Collier of Sister Birth. To choose a holy wild birth journey is to consecrate all your decisions unto the Lord. And to reclaim creation unadulterated by centuries of human attempts to control and improve upon what God has already called good. Please remember, birth is not a medical event, but a natural process. We are not your care providers, and this should not be taken as medical advice. Welcome to Holy Wild Birth. This episode is um, a rich one, um, but on a very hard topic. Uh, In it, we are talking about... Um, just the process of healing from our trauma, um, especially sexual trauma and abuse uh, as we are um, planning for our births. And um, there's a couple nuggets in here for birth workers, but this is largely um, communicating to the mamas um, that are are listening in. I actually am getting to introduce you to my mom, who's an amazing woman. We do a little intro in the actual body of the podcast, so I'll leave that there. Um, but we are gonna, we're covering things like understanding trauma and its impact and um, having self-compassion and identifying um, that trauma for yourself, as well as um, just walking into um, your personal experience, your healing, envisioning and planning for your birth. Um, We cover a little bit of just recognizing your triggers and being able to communicate those needs and how to look out uh, for those resources and support um, and addressing, you know, the things that you need to address in your pregnancy um, so that you're able to unpack your trauma in a safe space um, and and garner some safe relationships in this uh, pregnancy and birth process um, and just uh, really invite Jesus into this entire healing process. So I hope that um, if this is something that is in your life that has affected you, um, that this uh, podcast will bless you. Welcome to Holy Wild Birth. Today we have a really, um, I'm excited because I have an awesome guest here, but it is also a really heavy topic. Um, 
And so we're today are talking about trauma um, and histories of abuse um, and, and largely sexual abuse. Um, the reason I'm really excited about this conversation, one, because it's so important and not talked about enough, but two, because I have my mom here. Um, so my mom is Kathy Bryan. Say hi to our listeners. Hi, everybody. I'm really excited to be here. And um, the reason this isn't just a conversation with my mom, like why would I have my mom here? Well, she's really an expert in this field. Um, She runs a nonprofit organization uh, called The Genesis Project, serving um, children and adults of sex trafficking and Um, both from an advocacy standpoint, but also training, mainly training um, internationally for the last how many years now? Right around 13, maybe a little more. Which Genesis Project is newer than, is is brand new, but you've been in the field for that long. Right, exactly. Um, And training internationally, um, everyone from, you know, Medical professionals, law enforcement, FBI, Homeland Security, churches, community service providers, youth groups, it, all youth groups, all <laughs> everybody, anybody who needs to know about it, you're out there doing the work. So one, thank you. You know, I'm so proud of you. Um, and also she's in this work. Yes, she's an expert. She's done the work to become an expert, but she's also um, coming from a lived experience and as a survivor of sex trafficking herself. Um, when she was a teenager, this is not going to be about her story today, but I just want you to know that you're, you're, you're hearing someone who intimately understands um, that type of trauma in your own body, as well as then supporting other people um, walking through that. So uh, I thought she would be a perfect guest to really talk about um, this really big top topic. It is an enormous topic. And I'm really, I'm really grateful that you're addressing it because so many people don't. And I think also when you think of trauma, it, it's always good when you bring something to the surface so that it starts getting awareness and discussion. But sometimes there's a point at which the pendulum swings the opposite way and all people have heard the word enough that now they don't, they don't give it the importance that it needs because it just becomes so normal. People start tossing around the word trauma all the time. Right. And And this is such an intense thing to discuss. And if you are a survivor of any type of trauma, um, becoming intimately aware of how that is represented in your life and your body and everything is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you say that, it makes me think of, um, just the comparison game of, well, my trauma is not that bad. So, you know, like I know somebody who has a more heinous story than mine and I, you know, it didn't happen. I was so little when that happened. So I should have, I should get over it by now. Or, you know, just all of those kind of demeaning our, our own trauma and our own experiences and not giving it honestly the light so that it can be healed. Right. Like if we're, like such a work of the enemy to keep us under that lie, to keep us hidden. Um, and I just really hope that even today, that if we have some listeners that are uh, dealing with that, that this will be something that God can just shine a light on and bring them into healing. Just on that alone, I like so wanted to just interrupt you because <laughs> I was just like, ah. Um, okay. One, I want to say, and I say this all the time, 
I share it constantly with clients and professionals. When you said, you know, A, we don't, we should never compare pain. Going back to what you said, never, because pain is pain. Mm-hmm. Are there differing degrees? Yes. But those degrees, um, instead of mine is worse than yours, it's more of a layering of trauma. Right. Right. So you still have intense pain. You've experienced really horrible things. It's not mine was worse than yours or hers was worse than mine. It's more of how much of a layering of different kinds of traumas, maybe multiple types of abuse by multiple people, or was it all one person? So that, that does kind of, come into it, but it's never pain versus pain. And the other thing I want to say, because it's not said enough, a um, survivor sibling of mine said this, and it, it was a very long spoken word that she gave on a awards show, like the Grammys or something several years ago. Um, and the thing that stood out to me the most that I think every human needs to remember and and hold up is that she was talking about abuse and she said my compassion was not complete because it didn't include me mm-hmm. my compassion was not complete because it didn't include me mm-hmm. we do that so often and when i'm mentoring or working with an individual One of my key things that I, again, hope all of us will use as a tool for ourselves, I will say, I want you to picture or take everything that you've been through, your whole situation, and put that on somebody that you love. Think of somebody you love, and if all of that happened to them, would your response be different than it is now? Mm. And invariably, it is. (laughs) That person has never been able to get angry for themselves or anything like that. And when I say, put that on your sister, your mom, your best friend, and they become the child you're carrying in your womb, right? The child you're carrying in your womb, they become like, Oh, hell no. (laughs) It just awakens that, but they don't do that for themselves. They don't have the compassion or the anger or the the emotional response to protect, which in and of itself is a trauma response. response. Because when you are, especially if it's continual, yeah, um, ongoing, like childhood sexual abuse or domestic violence or, or trafficking, they're not, uh, there's no um, environment in which they can react. Sure. A lot of times our trauma is stored in our body because during that traumatic instance, we couldn't express it. Right. There, there's not a safe place to express it. So it makes sense that we always downplay. Right. Yeah. So sorry for the sidebar, yeah, but that was, I like, mean, that's what we're here to talk about. That's <laughs> <right>. sidebar. <laughs> yes. And man, what a profound uh, statement um, that my compassion was not complete until it included me. I mean, what healing can there, that, that can bring for someone to recognize like, wow, here I am, you know, most of our listeners, they're, they're Christ followers. They're walking in that love for Jesus and they're trying to live for God, but they're not moving in compassion for themselves. Like, how is that, that love and compassion you have been placed in, you know, in you to love on people. If you can't have it for yourself, you're not going to be able to love your neighbor 
as yourself, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, that whole, even that loving your neighbor as yourself. And there's been over the last maybe 20 or 30 years, I've heard it so many times and maybe it went back farther than that, but that whole um, statement of you can't fully love someone else if you don't love yourself first. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily always agree with that. Sure. Because if that was true, then we wouldn't have to even say this to ourselves. My right. compassion was not complete because it didn't right. include me. Because so often, at least the survivors I know, um, they 95% of the time, those individuals treat other people better than they treat themselves. Sure. They love Absolutely. other people better than they love themselves. Yeah. In my own life, I've had to start doing to myself, okay, um, I woke up with 101 temperature and, you know, symptoms and I'm trying to push through it so I can go to work. And I have to ask myself, (laughs) what would you tell your daughter to do, your friend to do, your husband to do? Right. Oh, those apply to me too. Yeah. Right. But if we don't check ourselves, we don't Mm -hmm. often do that. And I've seen that needs, we need to teach those kind of tools to people who've survived trauma. Yeah. It's so good. That's so good. Um, and then I think, you know, it's a little bit of a segue, but from there, um, especially if it's maybe, you know, we've talked a lot about like that compound, you know, they've lived in trauma for a long time. They've, you know, but what about the isolated incidents, you know, that are, it's, I think even, even in both situations, um, the self-identification piece, I guess is what I'm trying to get out here. Um, of recognizing and admitting to yourself that you do have trauma. Um, And I mean, I I guess I have, I've seen people who have, who have lived in trauma, it's just become their normal. So they don't recognize it as trauma or those who've just had like an isolated event. They were sexually assaulted at one point in their life and they've just kind of hidden it away. And I, if we don't think about it, then I, it'll be fine. And it's just there. Um, So how do you get from, like to that place, um, admitting to yourself that there is trauma here and that there is some things to unpack and heal and, um, start moving in compassion to yourself with that first step. (laughs) I think not to sound corny, but I think that that depends on how much freedom you want to live in. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I would rather be unloved than unfree. Freedom is that important to me. And I know what it's like to be unloved and to be radically loved. And I still have that same tenet. If I had to choose, I would always choose freedom over being loved. Now, that's me. Not everybody necessarily feels that way. And when we, when we're, so that's why I say, what degree of freedom do you want? I want fullness of freedom but not everybody is They're They're willing to compromise in some ways to get the other things they need that are important to them. And so I say that to set up this next statement, which is there are individuals who have suffered horrific trauma, but as you said, it was a single incident and their life before and after really didn't involve a ton of trauma, just maybe normal everyday human you know, disappointments and hurts and stuff. But so in that individual, 
I would say to you, what you endured still caused a lot of trauma and there's going to be after effects of it. Addressing it or not addressing it comes back to how much freedom do you want and how much movement do you want in your life? Because it's no different than if I broke my leg and didn't let it fully heal. And I was okay limping the rest of my life. Sure. I can get through my life without addressing that break because mm -hmm. I, I compensate in other areas. And I see that happen a lot with people who have had in their mind, what they would call, not what I would call, you know, less trauma. Right. I mean, <laughs> oh, it's not as bad. Or, as you bad. know, it's I can fine. just tuck <laughs> it away and forget about it. Yeah, maybe mentally you can do that. You can fill your life with other things so that you are so busy that you never focus on that trauma. But you know what? Your body remembers that trauma yeah. and your soul remembers that trauma and your spirit remembers that trauma. And there's a memory of that trauma that's hidden away in your mind, despite all of the things you put up to block that. Luckily, if you don't have a ton, a lot of people will live a full ish life without addressing that incident. So I, I feel like it's up to you. Right. Yeah. Um, Conversely, yeah. <laughs> when you have people who have, well, I was trafficked for two and a half years as a teenager, um, sex trafficking, not always, but normally means on a daily basis, you're, it's like getting raped multiple times a day. Right. That kind of trauma is exponential. It, mm -hmm. it, so there are things that happen to us that you can't tuck it away. Right. Maybe for a little while, you know, there's tools that come in like dissociation and, you know, repressed memory and all right. of that. But even totally during those things, your body still remembers. Yeah. And so I think of a survivor of significant trauma, say, becoming pregnant and giving birth. If that's that individual who doesn't necessarily remember mm -hmm. that they were had childhood sexual abuse. Right, like if they've repressed those memories. Right, and so they don't, they themselves don't quote unquote know yet right. when they get pregnant and they have to start having care that involves our sex organs and our body. And it's very, I mean, it could bring it to the surface yeah. or they could have reactions that they don't know why they're having that reaction, right. which is confusing. Yeah. And so, so, uh, because I'm your daughter and be, uh, you know, obviously I know a lot about your story and your journey in between, um, when the trauma happened and when you started identifying, um, and we didn't talk about this. So if we need to edit it out, we can. Um, but it just makes me think about, I know you gave birth in those, in between those time periods. So did any of that come up for you? Um, and you know, like, what did that look like? Or even just the, like, I don't know, just your identification and, and dealing with it was so much later. I think I was what, 12, 11, years old. So you had already um, had all three of us. I exited in 1984. You were born in 86. Andrea was born in 89 and Matthew was born in 92. Right. And the bulk of my memories came back in 96. Okay. So you would have been about 
10 ish. And so, I, I had that whole period. That's my memory of that, that period of like 10 to 12 when you were really dealing with it and doing the work. Um, and then there was one pregnancy before you. Right. Um, in 85, that I lost the baby um, at not quite four months, right at four months. Um, so answering that question after we did all that talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, as I think back, there's not one incident in any of the the pregnancies or the deliveries that I can go, oh, yeah, that response was trauma. However, there, I think just because that's true doesn't mean it didn't affect me because at that time I was still so much in uh, more of a push through people pleasing. I'm not important. Just right. do what you have to do. Kind of right. mentality. You had a lot of repression happening. A lot of repression. Time. Um, now I did remember outside of trafficking, unfortunately, or interestingly enough, I was raped four times outside of trafficking. So in those I did remember. And so I knew I had sexual abuse. Um, thankfully each with the first the first pregnancy and yours, I had physicians that made me feel very safe. Mm, now that's a key there. <laughs> I felt very safe with them. Um, with the second pregnancy, uh, we were in the military and we moved in the middle of that pregnancy. And every time I had um, an exam, like an appointment, it was a different provider oh, every tough. time. Like, you know, even though it was the same base hospital, right. the doctor was different every yeah. single time. I experienced the same with Aiden, with my oldest at the military hospital. Yeah. So that never saw the same provider. <laughs> this is so difficult. Not lend itself <laughs> to safety, stability, and security. Right. But <laughs> it is how it is. Um, and then, you know, there was a trauma with her birth because there was a an error made. They... That was wanted to, <laughs> they wanted to move my labor along um, because it appeared I had stalled, which anyway, that's a whole nother topic. So they gave me Pitocin. And, and those of you who don't know, usually when you administer Pitocin, you put it into the IV and it goes in gradually. Well, instead this worker, I don't know what they were, a nurse, whatever. Um, they gave me the entire syringe of medicine at one time. Well, it was the whole bag. The whole, it was the, open bag, right? No, it was like, so oh, she yeah. had a syringe of Pitocin uh -huh. that you're supposed to attach to like the tubing. So it, it will, was the whole, what, it was the entire dosage that goes into the bag all at once in a syringe. Exactly. Yeah. She treated it like a syringe in, like we would use in postpartum hemorrhage, but it was the medicine that goes into the IV bag. Yeah. Um, I have been told by multiple providers that that should have caused an, an a uterine, uterine eruption. eruption. Thousand percent. Um, That's why I wanted to clarify. I was like, it's not just one injection. No, no, <laughs> we no. do that in, in postpartum. But in, in, was... at, all at once, I received the totality of medication um, that should have been given over in whatever that time right. timeline would have been. And it, I can tell you that was quite horrific and painful. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> by the grace of God, I'm alive 
and your stuff. Is intact my and your ass, baby came out. Okay. I had a baby after that. Um, however, that labor was hell. Um, <laughs> and I ended up giving birth in the doorway of the labor room. Um, I was in a hospital where there was way back in the day, you guys, there was like a labor room. And then when it was time to deliver, they would move you by gurney to the delivery room. <laughs> Weird. Sounds so, so comfy. So comfortable. <laughs> well, such a good flow going. <laughs> right. And, um, the baby came really fast, obviously, because my uterus was really working over time. And she basically crowned before anybody knew. And, um, I, told my husband the baby was coming and he went out and literally grabbed somebody by the neck and dug him <laughs> into our room. And it was like, help my wife. And that's when they realized, Oh, she's actually having the baby alone. And so then everything started happening, but, um, she was born rapidly. It caused a collapsed lung, pneumothorax and severe pneumonia. And she was hospitalized for 10 days, um, because of that one error that's the only things that happened whereas we probably both should have died right <laughs> but again god um and then when i had our third our third one the thing that was really hard for me on that is i kept going into labor early and so they put me on bed rest for two and a half months a very long time i will say we all as moms and women who do way too much and are very busy Sometimes go, man, I wish I could just sit in the bed for X amount of time. No, you don't. <laughs> it, that that goes away That's fast. After about right? three or four days, you're like, I'm good. <laughs> Two and a half months in bed on my left side. Um, what a was, trigger that must have been to like the loss of freedom feeling yes, that you have. Yeah, it was like intense. Your need for. Yeah. So it come it can it can come in different ways, is my point. Right. It's not like, oh my God, you're touching my, you know, private area. Could that be triggering somebody? Oh gosh, absolutely. Right. But for me, the things that were, you know, could have been triggering or cause a lot of distress weren't obvious things. Right. And I think that as you are, if you are a survivor of trauma and you are, you know, starting to go to your GYN or you're, you're in a pregnancy and you're having to have these exams and you're thinking about, okay, what about when I deliver? I don't want the trauma to over to be like this black cloud over such a joyous time. Sure. But in order to do that, I think spending some time getting to know yourself right. if you don't already and know what you want. And a lot of times we, we think we don't know what we want. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if, if that means sitting down with a piece of paper and dreaming yeah. In an ideal world, what would I want my birth to look right. like? So that then you can kind of back out of that and go, well, okay, if that's what I would want my birth to look like. Then what have I noticed in myself as I've lived life that mm -hmm. could come up when I'm trying to achieve that? Right. And you know? the, the pop, we did a podcast uh, called rethinking your birth plan that we really started talking about just like getting clarity and looking at your intentions and, you know, in, in that inner work that it takes that you're talking about. So if um, you find yourself going, wow, I really do need to do that. I would encourage you to check out that podcast. There's lots of resources and thoughts around um, how 
the actual how to do that, what kind of questions you can start asking yourself so you can get that kind of clarity. Um, because I think, you know, that really informs the type of um, provider you choose, the type of birth setting you choose. Um, you know, I think most of our listeners are going to be uh, either, you know, seeing a midwife, uh, seeing even a unlicensed or unregulated midwife or being um, completely unattended births. Um, and, you know, I also, I think that comes up for me, a question that I often ask, um, especially to like the unattended birthers, um, is, are you doing this from a place of trauma because you can't trust people, <laughs> you know, yes. like not because yes. you actually want to, not because you actually, you know, like in an ideal world, if you had someone who you trusted, who you felt loved by, who you felt safe with, would you want that person to be your midwife or would you still want an unattended birth? Like, because you really want an unattended birth mm-hmm. or are we choosing this path because of whether it be birth trauma or this other, you know, whatever form of trauma is in their life, that's kind of still ruling their thought processes and decision-making because they're looking for what I can control it. I control everything in the room if I'm the only one in the room. So let's do that. But then they're not actually showing compassion to themselves. They're not getting what they actually desire. They're getting what they think they can have. Are your decisions fear or shame based? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, even if, I mean, I know this is midwifery, but <laughs> so I may be out of bounds. Sometimes what if really what you would want is to go to a hospital and have it, but you're choosing midwifery or unattended because that feels safer. Less people are involved. You feel like you can control, but on top of that feeling of relief, because you feel like you're in control, there's also the underlying um, fear of lack of confidence, worry that something will go wrong. I'm not doing it, whatever. Which you know, always ends up in a transfer situation. Exactly. <laughs> like so it, you're you, going to get it whether you want it right. or not. Like your body knows what you want <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and tends to go along with it. So then you end up seeing those like labor dissociates are, you know, incredible amounts of prodromal labor. You know, things start coming up at the end where you're like, maybe I do need a lot higher level of care. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not actually about you know, what is the ideal way? Like, obviously we are unashamedly here birthing by design with God leading you, but, um, you know, is God leading you or is fear Fear leading you? you, Right. Because then you're, you're not, fear is going to make it messy and confusing and not at all that aligned anointed birth that we talk about here. So, um, it's such an important thing to look at. And, you know, a a kind of a tangent, but just a little nugget quickly for um, the birth workers listening in um, when, you know, like be aware of that, you know, ask what, why do you want to have a home birth? Like, why are you here? Why are we, you know, discussing these things? And also I think even on some of the more extreme situations uh, of like a currently being abused individual or currently in being sex trafficked individual, because I don't care where you live big city little city sex trafficking is happening in your backyard if there are people that live in your community there's trafficking there there's trafficking right like are there people that are 
are capable of wanting power and control and greedy, then you have a, that's all you need. (laughs) It's all you need. So it's, that's a whole other topic, but just take our word for it. It is happening in your community, no matter where you live. Um, Unless maybe you live on your own in like, there's no, I don't know, hundred hundred miles away from the next isolation you're in complete isolation on a desert island then okay but if you are living in a community of people (laughs) then then it's there so with that said we need to be have our eyes open for those um those red flags and we can even just post like a, a you know a complete list in the show notes for you on like what those red flags are but the reason i got here in my mind was um, those who are in those current situations, whether it just be a domestic violence abuser that's kind of running the show or a trafficker that's kind of running the show, they're going to be looking for outside of the system providers. So they might be seeking out those unregulated midwives or those birth keepers uh, because they want somebody to be there to care because they don't know, you know, like, but they are trying to kind of stay under the radar. And so that is an avenue that um, those of us in the fringe birth world need to be aware of. So I would definitely check out the the red flag um, thing. We might go into that a little bit later, but I just wanted to give that little little nugget. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got a, I'll share my PDF with you that I use for medical professionals for red flags and you can share that with your listeners. Awesome. Awesome. So, so back kind of where we were talking about like envisioning your birth, honoring, you know, what your desires actually are. Um, I also think about the triggers, right? Like knowing your triggers and expecting those, um, like how, you know, like knowing our own bodies, how we respond to them, what does trigger us, what's, how can we mitigate that? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to speak a little bit on, on that particular topic? Yes. Um, And at the very beginning of that, I'm going to add in shame, which is not a trigger. However, I have yet to meet somebody who's had abuse. And if you have abuse in your history, dealing with shame is part of that. And I will say unequivocally, something that happened to you, you are not in control that shame that you feel is not yours to carry. So in addition to the abuse you're carrying from someone else and that you're carrying the shame that is actually supposed to be on their shoulders. So I would invite you to literally take that shame off, picture yourself removing it from you and handing it to them or hand it to Jesus, but it's not yours to carry and it will keep you confined. It's like an invisible chain. Shame is the, in my opinion, and many of those I've mentored, Shame is one of the worst things that comes from abuse. Absolutely. Um, So with that said, if you have shame, you haven't dealt with that even can be a trigger. Sure. And it can keep you from allowing proper provision of care. Right. Um, We're talking about the most private parts of our body when we're talking about giving birth. And so there's those, exams. Uh, I've had survivors who were mid-pregnancy and what was going on required an ultrasound 
but the transvaginal where there's the insertion of the wand Mm -hmm. that was from, for this individual, that one procedure that only lasted a couple minutes was the most traumatic part of her whole birth and pregnancy experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's like understanding what parts of my body are going to be touched. Mm -hmm. What kind of touch do I like? Mm -hmm. Um, What, what, Am I one of the people who I don't know if something hurts? And like for me, my body still reacts to pain in such a way that it holds it without notifying me. (laughs) So sometimes I'm hurting and I don't know until somebody touches that area. And I know that sounds extreme, but it's actually not that uncommon, especially for compound complex trauma survivors. So you definitely wouldn't want to be in an exam or giving birth and then somebody touches your arm and, and woof, the trigger, you know, right. Exactly. Yeah. So knowing yourself and then also knowing what helps you when you are triggered. Right. Um, do you dissociate a lot? Are you a person who, you know, you're still healing and you still have dissociative episodes or, um, so how do you deal with those? And do you function well while you're dissociated? Some people do. Some people completely focus just fine when they're dissociated. It's just a whole different kind of consciousness. Sure. Um, so having your birth workers, your birthing partner, your doula, understand what your grounding techniques work for, what wouldn't work for you. Because right. not all the grounding techniques work for everybody. Oh, come on. <laughs> we can just... If we just do A, B, C, we're done. (laughs) And it'll be all better. All better. Um, And then knowing too, what's your reaction to a trigger? Some people go introverted, right? They they just kind of go into themselves. They isolate. They don't, they want to be alone. They cry um, or dissociate. Some people, their trigger, no matter what the instance was that caused the trigger, they're most often... For that individual, it's outbursts of they anger. Right. So right. it goes outward. It's aggression or frustration. Mm-hmm. And it's very big and like, boom. Right. So knowing that right. would be something that you would want to tell somebody. To, right. Yeah. So how, what is the best ways, I guess, to convey, like, these are my responses. Once you've done the work to figure those out yourself, um, which I will say, uh, when survivors give birth, um, by Penny Simpkin and a few other authors, the, I mean, the main one was Penny Simpkin. Um, there's a, I think it's in the appendix or in the back end. There's a really great list of like very specific instances of what you might experience in pregnancy or birth and like what that personal significance would be for that person. Like, would this bother you? Can you put yourself there? What, what would come up? What is that meaning to you? And then like some strategies to begin to think about, okay, if that happened, what is my strategy? So figuring that out for yourself, but then how do we can go from there of like, okay, I know what I do. I can recognize that. I can have compassion for myself for it. Um, now, how do I get support and convey that to them? Well, again, <laughs> individual, right? <I> think <laughs> it depends on you. Ideally, you would be able to be so safe with those individuals that you could just have this conversation like we are now. Right. For everybody, that's not an option. Um, if you're like, suppose you are a current 
you're currently being victimized. So you're not going to say that in front of the abuser. Like if it's your husband, it's a DV situation. Let's do a sample. You're currently in a domestic violence relationship and you're going to have a baby and you have a midwife and a doula. A lot of times the husband will be there, right? The abusive spouse will be there. So you're not going to be able to say this in front of them. (laughs) Oh, by the way, when I feel, you know, you're going to have to appear like everything's fine and have this whole persona. So how and that's you assuming to, you've identified. <laughs> you've identified, exactly. And um, so then in that situation, ideally it might have to be where you write it down or you do it in a telephone call when you have a few minutes of space alone and you talk that out, but don't avoid doing it. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, don't avoid doing it. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Um, but for regardless of the situation, past abuse, current abuse, figuring out, it comes back to knowing yourself, unfortunately. Like we want to just go on and not have to deal with all the things. <laughs> Sometimes healing from trauma is worse than the freaking trauma itself. It, really it is so be. much hard work to heal. It feels very much like a debridement process, right? Like yes. when a wound has been, you know, mm-hmm. improperly healed. And then it's like, okay, this, this scar didn't come together well. We need to debreed it. And so they go in and they scrape out all its stuff. And it's like causing a new wound so that the old wound can actually come together and heal beautifully. And it's like afterwards, it was like, that was so worth it. All of the stuff that came from that mm-hmm. is not there. But man, is it hard like right. to do the work. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. I also speak as a survivor of, of DV and, um, and, uh, sexual assault. So I just, yeah, like I get it as well from a personal level. And that is, it's a hard work to do the, to do the work, but it is worth it. But knowing yourself is, is really so much of the battle. And so asking yourself, what do I want them to know? How can I convey this? I want them to know all these things, but I can't picture myself saying it. Can you tell your significant other and they tell them, can you write it down, make a video that they can watch, whatever, figure out what works for you. There's no right or wrong way. It's just honor yourself by doing it. Yes. You know, honor yourself, honor the baby that you're bringing into the world, honor your spouse by addressing it. it. It's, it's, it's like thinking ahead before you um, go on a car trip. What are you going to take along, right? right? We think ahead on so many other things in our daily lives. It's okay to think ahead on what I need emotionally and physically and support-wise when I'm going to give birth to another whole human being. Right. It's a big. It's a little bit of a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a bigger deal than society gives it. Yeah. You know, we've gotten so sidebar i'm sorry we've gotten so um inoculated to the wonder of birth and the hard work of birth and what it takes the you know all of the things that it takes of a person to be pregnant and to walk through that um it's a big deal so honor yourself and this beautiful time in your life by knowing yourself well enough and then figuring out how can i communicate what i need Sure. You know, you would not be bad at, mad at your baby for crying when they were hungry. Do not be mad at yourself for stating what you need. Right. Because it's a need. It's not a want. Exactly. <laughs> it is actually a need and you can allow it to be a need. 
yeah. in your life. If you don't, then what's going to happen? The potential, sorry, the potential thing that can happen if you don't do this ahead of time is that you will turn something that's supposed to be beautiful and wondrous into another traumatic event. Yeah. We don't want to traumatize ourselves. We've already had enough trauma. Thank you. I'm out. Right. I'm good. And that's not what Jesus wants for you. Like he did come to give us freedom, not just mm-hmm. from sin, not just salvation, but from shame, like to take that. He took that on the cross as well. And he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind, right? Like he is there to bring freedom, you know, is for freedom that we were set free. And so I think those, those, you know, eternal truths, we can reach onto them and, and hold fast that like God wants you healed. Jesus is there. He, you know, is catching your tears and he is present when you're triggered and he's present when you're you know, just all of it. Like he's always ever present and uh, leaning into the, him as we walk through our pregnancy, as we walk through um, birth and postpartum. Um, I think that that's, that's really where we can get the most healing, right? Like he is the healer. So um, yeah. And making sure that as much as you can, the people who you're depending on during this time, as you go through the pregnancy, who your care provider is, who your doula is, um, who your birth partner, everybody assumes it's the spouse, but maybe your spouse really doesn't feel equipped and you would be more comfortable with somebody else. That's totally okay. Right. Um, but treasuring this time and, and allowing it to be healing in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much healing that can come um, when you know, the, the birth is something that now you can be proud of your body for when, you know, it's like, wow, my body did this thing. Whereas before it's felt like it's betrayed me or before it's felt like it was this shameful vessel, this dirty, broken thing. And yet now here it, you know, there's such a opportunity for there to be redemption, but we have to do the hard work to get there. And the truth is any form of abuse is about power and control mm-hmm. and a lot of healing comes when you're walking in an empowerment and when you're surrounded by people who empower you, right. it's like, it starts to um, make the control that was exercised over you fade. Right. And the more you become an empowered individual choice after choice, decision after decision, situation after situation in your life, the less that control from the past abuse controls you today. Right. And you deserve to be an empowered individual. Yes. You know, I don't know if this will track with anybody, maybe it's just my own brain, but I was sharing this um, analogy. Something came up in my pregnancy. I was talking to a friend about it and they were like, wow, because of your history, that must be very triggering. And honestly, I don't even remember what we were talking about at that point, but that was the the lead up into that conversation. And I was like, I mean, not really because I've healed enough that, you know, it's kind of like when, especially we've got a lot of moms here. So I'm sure you've experienced this. Um, if you are, are already a mom, you know, or just, I mean, honestly human, right? Like we drop glass in the kitchen and all of a sudden there's shards everywhere. (laughs) And you, when you go to clean that up, 
you know, you have to be careful of like not stepping on that and you like clean it, right? Like you do all the work. You've done the work to clean it up and you've slept and you've vacuumed and you maybe wiped with, uh, you know, a wet cloth and you're getting all the glass up, right? But then maybe like two days later, you're walking through your kitchen and you're barefoot and you grab a, you know, like a, you found a shard and it's like, it hurts you. Um, but it's not like it was a big piece anymore, right? Like it's just such a little, little piece that gets your attention and you have to take it out and you have to like, you know, if there's a bleed or whatever, you maybe need to clean it and bandage it or whatever. But like, for the most part, like it's this almost minute, I didn't even see it because I've already done the work to clean it. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was like, at this point, most of my triggers and stuff are like that. It's just a little shard. I pulled it out. It didn't even bleed. I'm fine. You know, like, and I can just move on. Paper cut. But it's because I've done the work of the multiple sweeps, right? The multiple cleaning and doing and working it out to make sure that that mess um, that was caused inside of me is is cleaned up. And then it might happen. I might be triggered and that, you know, but it, it doesn't like disrupt my entire life anymore. It's like, okay, deal with that. And we're moving on now. <laughs> and literally I was thinking as you started saying all of that disclaimer, if you're listening and you are a trauma survivor, it doesn't mean that this is going to happen to you. Right. You know, perhaps you have already done so much healing that this, you know, any kind of, preparation or potential triggers during this whole time period of, of pregnancy and birth is a non-issue, right? Like I don't want people to hear this and then go, Oh my gosh, I've got to do a complete unadulterated internal inventory and spend all this work when you've actually already done it. You've already done it. Right. Trust yourself at the end of the day, empower yourself, trust yourself, let go of shame be compassionate to you as much or more than you are to other people do those things and, and, you know, walk in expectation of good and joyous things to happen. Cause that's what the father has for you. Yes. So good. So is there any other um, thoughts that you have? Uh, that you would like to so many thoughts. so many thoughts so many thoughts that you would like for our listeners um, um i feel like this is a topic we could talk about all day long we <laughs> there's so many and I'm avenues trying to be so succinct <laughs> which is not my strong suit you've um, done well you've done well i mean um, it's not mine either <laughs> the only thing i was kind of jotting notes so i wasn't constantly interrupting you and so this might be going slightly backwards sure. but as we talk about like what could happen i don't want everybody you know, suppose this whole podcast does apply to you and you're like, oh my gosh, this is great. I'm going to have to start preparing so that I have the birth I want. Fantastic. Don't overlook emotional reactions. You know, a lot of times when people say triggers, they do think about all the physical things that could trigger you. Um, But, you know, perhaps one of the things that you are came away with was a feeling of rejection or um, for example, how is that brought up in your life by other people and situations? And have you ever considered that? Right. And so working on that, because sometimes it's our emotional 
reactions. And then the other thing I would say is um, just, I lost my train of thought. That's horrible. Never happens to me ever. It happens to me all the time. I have a rabbit trail brain. Um, emotional reactions is where I was. So if it comes back, I'll interrupt again and tell you. But <laughs> I don't remember. Just being real. The train jumped. The train hard. jumped the track. Yeah, jumped jump the track. That's all right. Um, yeah. So is there any, I guess, like I, I already mentioned it, when survivors give birth, if this is something, um, it is a heavy book, um, especially if you're pregnant. Um, but it, there might be some resources in there, but I would say go through it gently. Um, definitely a must read for all birth workers. Um, but just, it is all about just understanding the healing and just the lasting effects. And like I said, there's some really great, um, resources in there, uh, to help you kind of move through that. Um, but it also is going to be a secular book. It's not going to include the biblical viewpoint of healing. And I definitely want to always point you back to that. Um, you know, and get the, get the people around you and the resources around you that you need. Um, if this, if you are finding, wow, this is something that I have ignored in my life. What can I do now? Um, and I guess, yeah. Is there anything you would speak to that? Like if they're just recognizing they do have some things that they need to, to really look at, um, where would you send someone that's just now like identifying themselves? I think if you're just identifying, um, depending on where you are in that, like sometimes when you are just identifying, it is a whole thing, right? And you need intense care, or maybe it's just you're realizing and you're at the beginning of, I, I want to dig in and provide healing to myself. So it can, everybody's different, you know, <laughs> just, it could be a whole it's thing and you a, need to go. Such a spectrum. Right. All things. right. And <laughs> all so it's kind of a loaded question. Um, I would just say if you are pregnant and stuff is coming up, seek out someone who is understands the topic, whichever issue issue you have. If you're looking for a therapist, make sure that they are knowledgeable and trained and experienced in severe trauma, especially if it's sex trafficking, that is severe, complex, compound trauma. It's a lot. Um, I would say address it to the best of your ability. I would highly suggest you don't do deep dives while you're pregnant. This is not when you want to go in and dig and unpack everything that's ever happened to you. Um, in my opinion, now you do you, but honestly, you, that needs to, as much as it can happen when you can give yourself so much care and time to do that. Right. Um, not necessarily when you're carrying another life life yeah. in I you. Mean, it's such a vulnerable time. I mean, I'm really glad. There's you already so much up. coming up hormonally, not to say that women are hormonal, but hormones do change our emotional reactions to yeah. things. And it's, it's significant. Yeah. So unpacking it and going, Oh, you know what? I'm going to go do a two week, trauma intensive. I would not do that while I was pregnant. The other thing I would say is unless you are being led by Jesus. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Follow, follow him. He knows all. Um, the other thing I would say, which we don't talk about, I think enough 
is, um, especially in the Christian world, is if you are somebody who's had severe abuse and you're currently on anti-depression medication, anti-anxiety medication, don't keep that from your care provider and don't assume (laughs) that they're going to tell you, you have to stop it. Right. Um, but a lot of times if you have severe abuse that happened when you were a child, you know, abuse changes our brain chemistry, which is a whole nother podcast. So a, there's no shame in taking medications to help with anxiety and depression. There's nothing wrong with trusting in the Lord for that either. And or a combination of all those things. All those things. But make sure your care provider knows. Don't just go off and go, oh, I'm so ashamed of this. I'm just going to not tell them and I'm just going to keep taking it. Or I'm going to stop go altogether and white knuckle it. Because those medications affect brain chemistry. Pregnancy affects brain chemistry. So... Those two need to be in tandem, not, Good. not, you know, headbutting each other. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah, there's definitely lots of, I mean, that's a whole podcast on how we can treat those kinds of things from a holistic standpoint, yes. when we can use um, modern medicines and, and, you know, honestly, the way of the hearth mother going through that in a, in a way that is first rooted in Jesus and being guided uh, from those interventions. And so I would say, use that, use that model, use that thought process and, and allow the engaged body of Christ step, allow your community to come around you and help, help you in that, inform you in the risks and benefits and all of the things that come along with, um, medications in pregnancy. Um, as you were talking, I was also just thinking, and I guess just more of assuming, not assuming that's, that's the wrong word. Um, affirming, wanting to affirm exactly what you were saying about pregnancy and dealing with intense traumas in that time period. Like we are becoming so open in birth. Like we know that we open our cervix opens, you know, but there's more that opens (laughs) spiritually, emotionally, and physically it's not just your hips and your cervix. You are literally opening in all the ways. And so sometimes this is when that stuff comes up Mm -hmm. because you are opening. (laughs) And so then it's like, whoa, I didn't know that I was dealing with that. Um, And so that might be a part of it. And that might be your invitation to deal with what's coming up. Um, But also if you're so very open and very vulnerable, very suggestible, even because of that openness, um, which is why we protect our birth space and all those things. Right. Um, that's also why you might need to be like, not necessarily digging things up just because I think I have to right? like, okay, they're saying this, I have to deal with this in labor, you know, be gentle with yourself, follow the leading of the Lord, um, get wise counsel around you. Um, share with providers. If you have one, um, that you feel safe with, make sure you've got people around you that you feel safe with to talk about those things. Um, so that if it's coming up and when it's coming up, they can support you well in it. And honestly, it brings up something I, I teach all the time. And that is 
like if you are one of the ones in this process where you are surrounded by a safe partner, a safe doula, a safe, you know, midwife, a caregiver, this could potentially, if you're doing all the things that Lauren teaches and Brooke teaches, um, if you're doing all those things, potentially, I'm not saying it will, potentially this could be one of the safest times in your life, which sounds great. And it is. However, our psyche tends to unpack trauma that's occurred to us when we get to a safe place, not a safe moment, but a safe time in our lives because they're like, whew, we don't have to be hypervigilant anymore. I don't have to expect abuse. Okay, let's start dealing with this. So if it could, it might not. But it very well could come up because you are finally safe. Because you do have a safe husband now. Mm -hmm. Because you do have someone who's listening to you in your prenatals. And because you do have a community that you've built around you that is hearing your desires and respecting your autonomy and all those things. And And because you're you're listening to you. And you're listening to you. (laughs) And your body's like, oh, yay, we get to deal with this now. And then all the emotional stuff. I mean, I remember when I first got remarried in the first, you know, like pouring out stuff onto my amazing godly husband, things that were not about him at all. And it really confused me because I was like, I was responding to him the way I wished I could have responded, but was not a safe idea to respond in a wet way. So it was like protective measures when I needed to be, when I needed to protect myself And then when I was actually with a safe individual, I ended up hurting him emotionally, you know, just, or like responding as if he was going to hurt me because he was actually safe enough to take it. And that was really hard to figure Mm -hmm. out and deal with. But once I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, I need to say something that's actually not to you. And it's just coming up and I'm going to just, can I just let it out? This is not about you at all. You didn't do this. Everything that I'm about to say is not even front. It didn't come from you, <laughs> but it's coming up because of X, Y, Z. And then I was able to just like walk through that healing. Um, but that, that one like revelation, I think really was a, like pivotal for me in my healing journey because I was like, Oh, I'm not actually mad at my husband. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not actually, you know, like I'm not actually like, he didn't do that. I remember Mm -hmm. freaking out once he went to go get the, we had had a little bit like minor tiff. Like it was like, I don't even remember. Like you didn't put the garbage in the trash can, you know, like something silly. And he, I don't, it was not that because, but anyway, he, all he did was he was trying to like cool down and he was taking the trash to the road, but he walked away from the house and a lot of my triggers Ooh. were abandonment and I had been abandoned multiple times in my first marriage. And so there was this, like, he's leaving me. How dare he? And I got mad instead of whereas before it was that couldn't, I wasn't allowed to right. be mad then. And so it was like the mad that, that old Lauren needed to be able to give herself came out. Um, but then also was spiraling that my husband was leaving me and here I was again. I was just all the things. And then like, oh, no, he's just putting the trash in the trash can. Like, like that was, that's all that's happening right now. 
but I, I will never forget like watching him. It was just this like huge revelation all in the, all in the same moment of like, I can get mad. I can, you know, he's all the emotions. And then like Holy Spirit was coming in and being like, that's not what's happening, but this is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And that's where, you know, self-awareness <laughs> and checking in with ourselves helps us understand that that's, you know, that would be normally labeled. Oh my God. She's overreacting. overreacting but it's right. not an overreaction. It's, it's a, just it's a, a mis- <laughs> it's it's misplaced, yeah. right? But it's finally out because it's right. safe to do. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a misplaced right. reaction because it's the first time it was free to be expressed, right? Right. Because if I had expressed those things in the, it would have been uh, very dangerous. Yeah, no. So you know, like there's that, like I don't know. It's like an extremely delayed reaction, and you're being able to like, this is what I needed to get out then, and yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, it's important to remember when we have something that our culture would say is an overreaction to when we can calm ourselves, ask the questions like, wait, what's really going on? Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, then just sit in a quiet space and close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you because he will. Like go back to the root, even if you have to do something like, okay, when was the last time I felt like this? Okay. When was the time before that? Okay. When was the time before that? And you'll finally get to the root cause of those reactions. And when you heal the root cause, then you don't have the reaction anymore. Yeah. So I think that that's, I mean, there's such, such beauty and especially when you do what you're talking about and then you go, okay, Jesus, I invite you into that moment. Where were you? What was going on? And allow him to just really guide you through Mm -hmm. that. And then it's like, it can heal just the whole chain reaction of that entire emotion. Um, And sometimes we have to do, sometimes we can absolutely do that on our own. Um, And sometimes we need somebody help to help us Mm -hmm. with that. And neither one is wrong. Um, Neither one is right. Like, you know, just find what, what works for you and what is going to um, walk you into that freedom that Christ bought for you. All right. Very good. Yeah. I hope this helps somebody. <laughs> yeah. So before we go, um, I definitely, I know we kind of name dropped it a little bit at the beginning, um, but the especially it's the end of the year. The Genesis Project is your nonprofit. You are doing some amazing work there. And I just want to, um, you know, garner some attention on that. <laughs> and uh, if you are interested in, um, you know, fighting, trafficking, and what does that look like? What does that mean? Is it, you said it was in my community. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, like, so um, where can they learn more about you? Um, where could we even get some into your donations, any of those things going on, any campaigns happening? Um, go ahead and, and share there. Jeez, I didn't know I was going to do this. Um, <laughs> so the Genesis Project is based in Arkansas. Currently, we are serving children and adults who have experienced uh, sex trafficking here in Arkansas. We do. I I also do consulting and partnership work with Shared Hope International, so I do serve some of their clients as well. So, and anybody's always welcome to reach out if they have a question or they need a referral to 
you know, services in your area, there's, there's a lot of great orgs around the country doing good work. Uh, what we need right now, you know, I've been in the, the field a long time, over a decade, 13, 14 years. Um, this org is brand new. So we started getting work uh, clients the minute, like before I even officially opened, we right. started having clients. And so um, we're still raising funding. We have so many clients. I need to hire two advocates. So we do. If you are so led, we do need donations um, so that we can continue to serve clients well instead of say, we can't take you right now, which is a very incredibly hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have great relationships with our law enforcement um, in the state and with the CAC, and we serve, we have an MOU with DHS where we can serve. Uh, kids who are in foster care who have experienced this. So we're kind of, we're really holistically attacking this in Arkansas. So I would say it's a good thing to partner with us. And I would love to hear from you. You can get us at the Genesis project dot life, not dot com, not dot org dot L I F E the Genesis, like in the Bible project dot life um and then more about me there's some stuff about me on there uh i don't know kathybryan.com i haven't upped that website in a couple years but there's some basic information there over my career i have served hundreds of survivors i have a pretty interesting knowledge base because of that and you know we want to serve so if you need a referral, you need more information, you need a training. Uh, I still travel and, and provide trainings. Just hit us up. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I hope that this was um, a way that brought from some freedom and some enlightenment uh, to our listeners today. And um, yeah, again, you'll find some extra resources and information in the show notes. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Holy Wild Birth. We hope that you were genuinely encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. If you're loving what you hear, please make sure that you share it. Leave reviews. That helps other mamas find this content as well. And don't forget to read the show notes, okay? Because that's where you can find our email address if you want to reach out to us and start a conversation. It's also where you'll find free offerings as well as invitations to work with me and or Lauren. We can't wait to get to know you. See you next week.